Good morning. Are we excited to be in the house of the Lord today? So I was sitting there just now, and I was like, man, I'm not even nervous. And then we got up here to the, joy, or to the joys and concerns, and I'm like, man, I'm nervous. So, but that's good, because as long as I'm nervous, that means I'm relying on God's strength and not my own strength. So, man, this has been just an awesome last 10 or 11 days for me. Most of y'all know we spent last weekend in Looters at the, at the Chrysalis, me, my wife, and Ambry. Man, we just had an amazing time. And I tried to count how many kids surrendered their life to the God or to uh, rededicated, but man, I lost count. Ambry got up there and said something, and I started crying, so then I forgot to count the rest of the people. But I know there was a lot of them. So it was just an awesome weekend to, just to get to watch some kids grow and just to be there and to be a part of it. And then we come back, and Monday morning we start this BBS. And so thankful that Misty let me do the sports because I get to stay outside in the heat with all these little kids. And, uh, man, they just, they don't get tired. You know, they just keep going. And then 30 minutes later, they take them and send out a fresh group. So, man, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, about the time you get them kind of starting to wear down, they're like, well, next group. So here we go again. And then Tuesday night, I got to listen to uh, one of my mentors give his testimony out here at Steve's. It was just awesome, and then yesterday we had an awesome fundraiser that Lila put together, and then last night my wife gets a letter in the mail, and she was asked to work a walk in, uh, in September, and she was also asked to give a talk, so I'm super proud of her, just uh, seeing how far she's come, just getting to watch her grow, it's, it's just awesome. So be praying for her so that she can, God will give her the words to speak. I know he will. I'm not worried about it, but she's a little worried about it. She likes to overthink it too much instead of just trusting. I just tell her, just get up there and talk. And then she's like, why are you so nervous every day? <laughs> so, it is what it is, you know. So will you please stand? We are going to read Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is, it is written, the just, just shall live by faith. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for this opportunity and the freedom that we have just to come together and just to worship. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Father, I just pray that you'll just open our hearts and our minds just to receive your message and just let it resonate in our hearts, Father. Father, I ask that you just remove me from the situation and let your words flow through me. Father, I love you and I praise you. Ask things in Jesus' name. Amen. So be seated. So Romans 16, verses 1, 16, and 17, man, those are just two amazingly powerful verses. And the boldness that Paul has, man, it's just something to, just to admire. You know, we all know the story of Paul. That, you know, he, he was once called Saul, and he said of himself that he was the stock of Israel, of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of all Hebrews. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness of the law, he was blameless. You see, he was the perfect poster child of religion. He oversaw the stoning of Stephen, and he was headed to Damascus to arrest, arrest more followers of Christ and bring them to judgment when he had an encounter with Christ. You see, in his eyes and in his culture, 
He was as close to perfect as you can be. But in God's eyes, he was lost and needed to change. And when he became that, when he had that encounter, he became a new man. He was a man that followed Jesus at all costs. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, and he was left for dead. But he still followed Jesus with all his heart, continuing to preach the truth of the gospel. You see, Paul had a life-changing encounter with Christ, and all of his sins were forgiven. So we always have to remember that Paul encouraged the killing of people that followed Jesus. He hated them, and he wanted to put a stop to the movement before it got too far. But yet, the moment he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, his slate was wiped clean. So there's a story in Luke chapter 7, and I love this story. See, this Pharisee invited Jesus over to eat with him. And while Jesus was there, it says a woman who was a sinner came into his house and sat at Jesus' feet crying. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and to wipe his feet with her hair. And she began to kiss his feet and anoint it with fragrant oil. And it says that the Pharisee said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of a woman this is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, knowing what the Pharisee was thinking, told him a parable. He said, if a banker had two people that owed him money, one owed him 500 and one owed him 50, but neither had, a, neither had any way of repaying him, so the banker forgave his debts. Travis. I'm just playing. Says, uh, then Jesus says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And the Pharisee answered, the one, who forgave more, the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, yes, you are correct. The one who is forgiven much loves much. So this is where Paul is. Paul was forgiven for many things. Many of these things he once believed he was doing for God. But when the scales were removed from his eyes, he finally saw the truth and gave his life over to the Lord. And he received a freeness that led to an unquenchable passion of serving God. So when we look at the disciples and as well as Paul, this is a group of men that were willing to be killed or that were all killed except for John. For their faith. So what would lead these men to be willing to die for their faith? You see, being forgiven and receiving a freeness and a love that comes along with it. You see, Jesus didn't find 12 perfect men. He didn't even find 12 really good men. He found 12 sinners. 12 sinners that needed forgiveness. And when they received that forgiveness, they received a love that filled their entire bodies that they just couldn't help but to share. So when we see these people out here in the streets and we, we call them Jesus freaks or some of the world calls them weirdos, you know, they see things in a different way. They're always wanting to be involved. They're always wanting to make a difference in the world. They're not afraid of speaking the truth, even if it hurts your feelings, because they're doing it out of love. It's because they have been forgiven for many things, and now they are, they are, now they are filled with a love that cannot be contained. And it is that love, and that love is poured to them from God, and they want to pour it into everyone else. You see, they wake up every morning excited that they have another day to share God's glorious message. So when Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, what he's saying is he's proud of it. He's proud of it because our Father is glorified through it. He's proud of it because it has taken him from spending eternity in punishment to spending eternity in the presence of our Father. See, the gospel is all about salvation. 
And as Paul goes on to say, starting in verse 18, we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we all fall under God's righteousness and condemnation. But because of the good news of the gospel, we are forgiven and have become heirs to our Father right alongside Jesus. But see, we have to be careful sometimes that we don't try to sell the gospel. Sometimes we don't want to focus on some of the negative aspects, and we try to always focus on the positive side of it. You see, we like to say that the gospel is the good news that Jesus came, that God became a man in the form of Jesus Christ. He came, he lived, he died, he rose, and he conquered death so we can be forgiven and have eternal salvation. And technically, that is the truth, and it's great, and it's awesome, so why wouldn't we want to share that? But see, sometimes we like to leave out the harsh facts. We like to leave out that Jesus didn't just die for us. See, we talked about it in Bible study the other night that we were Barabbas. We are the rebellious children of the world that sought out worldly passions. We lied, we cheated, we stole, we've murdered, we worshipped idols, we've lusted, we've coveted our neighbor, we've broken all the commandments that there are, and we deserved to be punished for what we've done. But Jesus took that punishment for us. He took the beating that we should have received. He took the humiliation that we should be carrying. He took the guilt and the shame that should have been ours, and he nailed it to the cross right beside him. And the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, everything that we've done in our past is instantly forgiven. And because of that, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We should be bold enough to stand up and say, this is what I've done, but my Father in heaven forgives me. My identity is not in my past. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. I'm a blood-bought child of God. He rescued me from my own choices and gave me eternal salvation. And man, that should, right there should be enough to get everyone fired up. So why would we not want to go out and tell every single person that we see about it? The main reason is because we're ashamed of our stories. We don't want people to know our past because we're afraid they're going to judge us. But when we tell our stories, it gives honor and glory to God. It shows his power and his love for his people. Revelations 12, 11 says, And they will overcome him, that's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the words of their testimony. You see, it's our story. It's how we met God. It's us telling someone, this is where I was, but God loved me enough to bring me out of it, and he loves you enough to do the same. See, I love working these walks, and I love going to these men's fellowships and listening to people give their testimonies. Because there's always at least one person that comes up when it's over and says, man, your story really touched me. I'm going through the same thing, and I really needed to hear that. See, and then the door becomes open for us to show God's love to that person. See, the things that we've gone through in our past shouldn't bring us shame because there's somebody else that's going through it now. And God allowed us to go through it so that we could help that person. We all have secrets. We all have skeletons buried down in our closet. None of us are proud of it. But the very moment that we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and Savior, we are forgiven. And by burying those secrets and never sharing them with others, it takes glory away from God. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should get up in front of the church and give their testimony, but we should have the courage to share it whenever and as often as the opportunity arises. But we also need to have the boldness 
to share the rest of the truth of the gospel. See, we can't, we got to get away from this watered-down version that was taught today. You see, a hundred years ago, if you went out and got drunk on Friday night and Saturday night, the church would address it with you. The church frowned upon it. Today, it's very rarely mentioned. Fifty years ago, homosexuality would have never been in the church. Today, it's causing splits in the church, and we have openly gay pastors in the pulpit. You see, we've let the enemy twist things around so much that we've become timid as Christians. Whenever we, speak the tr- whenever we start to speak the truth against sin, we're told that Christians are supposed to be loving and accepting of all things. The enemy says that love is love and that Jesus loved everyone. And Jesus did love everyone. But he loved them so much and he wanted to spend eternity with them that he told them the truth. See, nowhere in the Bible does it. Or Jesus always said, go and sin no more. It never says keep doing what you're doing. It's cool. I don't care. You see, we're called to be like Christ, and we were made in the image of God. God hates sin, so we should hate sin because sin keeps us away from God. Whether it's big sin or it's small sin, any sin in our lives keeps us from having a true relationship with God. But the gospel is more than just some cool story. It's an instruction booklet for how we should live our lives. See, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we have to believe in God. And it's not just enough just to believe. James 2.19 says, you believe there is a God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. See, it's that little two-letter word that holds all the power when we believe in something instead of just believing something. So we have to put our faith in him. We have to live for him. That means reading the Bible and applying it to our lives. We can't set our own rules. We can't decide what we want to call sin. We can't decide that this ain't too bad, so it's okay. See, Satan's pretty smart. He's not going to come down here and just snap his finger and destroy the world, mainly because he doesn't have the power to do that. But what he's going to do is come in and just slowly push the line back, slowly, slowly push in one sin at a time, making it seem like such a small thing that it starts to be accepted by the world and then by the churches. And when we continue to allow these small things, the big things begin to look like small things, and soon everything becomes acceptable. See, we have to have the boldness to call sin what it is. We have to not be ashamed to say that what you're doing is wrong. We have to remember, or we have to have the courage to say that we're taking our community back. You see, we need to remember that Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring priests, but a sword. I like one of the questions that Mary had yesterday, the way it was worded, it said that Jesus always used his end voice. You know, we have to remember that Jesus came in and turned the tables over. We have to remember that Jesus told the Pharisees they were hypocrites. You see, and that wasn't out of hatred. That wasn't out of him being mean. That was out of love. Out of love for mankind. We're not here to live comfortable in agreement with the world. We are here to be set apart, to live at a higher standard, and to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And in order to do that, we can't be ashamed to preach the true gospel of Christ. You see, there's power in the word. And when we live, when we live it, we can change the world. 
I've said it a hundred times, man. Satan has no power over us at all. The only power he has over us is the power we allow him to have. And it's going to take boldness of Christian men and women to stand up and say enough's enough. We can't continue to let this line be pushed further and further and further and further. You know, Satan has all the time he needs to just slowly implement little things. And we become accepting. Most of the things that the church accepts nowadays would have never been accepted years ago. So why are we allowing it? Because we've allowed Satan to take control of something that he has no power over. So I just want to encourage everybody to have the boldness, the boldness that little James had a while ago to stand up and just sing at the top of his lungs. That, that changes the world. Everybody in here was just focused on him and just how great that was. And we can all do that when we all have the boldness to just stand up and say it at the top of our lungs. We don't have to go out and start a war. We don't have to go out and start a fight. We don't have to go out and lay hands on people. We do need to lay hands on people, but we don't need to go out and lay hands on people. But all we have to do is have the boldness to stand up and say, this is what the Bible says, this is what I believe, and this is what we're going to do. We're not going to conform. We're not going to change the words of the Bible. We're not going to twist it around so you can justify what you're doing. It's a boldness that we've got to have. The boldness that Paul had to not be ashamed of the gospel. Will you please stand? We're going to open up the altar. We'll have a song open up the altar. If anybody wants to join the church, or if anybody wants to receive Jesus for the first time, or if anybody just needs prayer, the altar will be open. So I'm going to pray, and we'll open up the altar. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this message, Father. And I just pray that you'll just give us all the boldness and the courage just to speak your truth. Father, just make, us, uh, just make us where none of us are ashamed just to share the truth of the gospel and, and to share our testimonies, Father, because we know that you gave us that story and it glorifies you when we tell that story. Father, again, I just ask for opportunities just to be able to serve you and just that you'll give, the, give your people just the hearts that are willing to serve, Father. We love you and praise you. As you say in Jesus' name, amen.